0: As the financial advice landscape changes, it's important to embrace new technology to enhance the way you run your business. With change comes your chance to use advanced technology, reshape your client experience and see wealth differently. NetWealth is here to support you on this journey by providing you market-leading technology, excellent customer support and expertise to help your business thrive. See wealth differently. Visit netwealth.com.au to learn more about how NetWealth can support you. Welcome back to the XY Advisor Podcast. I'm Fraser Jack, and we are continuing our series on technology and innovation, and today we are covering off on how people, advisors, businesses are using technology and innovation as part of their business strategy and understanding how their strategy or the the preparation that they put into this plays a part in the technology that they're choosing and when and where and how. So we look forward to getting stuck into this episode. Welcome back, Patrick Flynn. Great to be back. Now we're talking all things around business strategy. And uh, so let's, uh, I'm going to kick this one straight over to you. What are your thoughts? (laughs) Uh,
1: So when it comes to business strategy, yes, there's a lot that you can do. Um, And look, all I can get to for the purposes of today is really one core driver. Um, So where we are at Simply Kaizen, we really specialize in incremental change or that continuous improvement. Um, And there's two parts to that. So one, there's... Just taking a look at you know some small changes that we can make on a short-term time frame in a small business that should be something you can implement in a week that will make things better. And if you do that, uh, as the saying goes, if you pursue perfection, you'll you'll fail, but you will achieve excellence. Um, that can be really cool. But if we don't have a long-term view that is attached to that, it. May end, us, may end up having us going off in the wrong direction. So to adapt the Bill Gates quote, you know, you might be making an inefficient process more efficient, but you're still just magnifying the inefficiency. So what I always recommend is uh, taking a leaf from Stephen Covey's habit number two of beginning with the end in mind. And to put a bit more of a structure around this, there's what's called the McKinsey Three Horizons model, which many of you uh, will have probably seen in different capacities over the years. Uh, but essentially, it's to say, let's think of, you know, Horizon 1, 2 and 3 of growth for the business. And if we see Horizon 3 as being our end goal, where we've gone through some transformative change and things are very different, that might be in an advice context. Um, you know, we've got, you know, some more advisors or we're multi-office or um, you know we've got a client portal um, and you know we've got full digital engagement or or whatever the case might be that's where you want to be in that third horizon that might be three years away might be five years away it just depends on how ambitious you want to be then the then you skip back to the first horizon and look at okay that's all great but what do I need to do right now just to survive I need to adapt to enhanced FDS. I need to meet all of our new DDO and other requirements. You know, there's stuff I've got to do right now. So Pat, you know, just calm down on the client portal stuff. I just need to, you know, stay compliant and, you know, be able to legally operate. Um, And then step, and then horizon two would be the stepping stones to get us from one to the other. Now, the reason why I cover that off is because when we think about that in terms of incremental changes that we still want to make, we still want to improve things today. If we know where we're going, then we can frame everything that's small that we want to do right away in terms of that so if you want to say to your team hey everybody everyone can make a small change to this process we want to engage everyone in the team we want everyone to spend two hours on a friday afternoon trying to make next week better that's really cool if you want to do something in that then maybe the team members can do it themselves or maybe they you know Provide a Kaizen suggestion box, um, which is not just about you know the coffee tastes terrible, or can we replace the lighting in reception? It keeps flickering, um, which may be valid valid points, but it might be saying, hey, we want to get to Horizon Three. Horizon Three, our focus is on digital client experience, or our focus is on profitable, low cost to serve. Um, so if you're going to have a Kaizen recommendation, then you need to frame it in terms of those things and how does this recommendation help us get towards those things. So if you're thinking about making changes to your business, transformative change is very expensive, it's very disruptive, it might not be something you want to do, you're thinking about doing incremental change but you're not quite sure how to do it, I I'd begin with the end in mind, plan out the changes you want to have to the business in three years, what you have to do now and the stepping stones in between and then – frame everything that you do and every process improvement that you invest in as being something that helps you get along that way. Because for example, you might say, you know what, we really want to invest in our SOA process. Our SOAs are too inefficient. But then the business goal is, hey, we actually want to outsource this over the next couple of years. Don't invest in improving your SOA process. You're going to outsource that by the time you get to horizon two or three. If you're going to say, "Hey, I really want to rework my fact find, but I also want to get to a digital fact find," then can the work on this awful PDF and just stumble through, even though it might be painful now, because there'll be another win you could focus on that'll be continuously relevant to you in Horizon Three?
0: Yeah, that's a really interesting way of looking at having. Um, and I also like what you said about bringing your staff along the journey. I think it's important to, you know, with any particular you know strategy that you've got in place, and and any change that's taking place that the the stakeholders which aka the staff that are involved in implementing the change are, are, are on the journey?
1: Oh there's uh, look I, I call it the the consultants free kick um, when I go into a practice I do a couple of surveys for staff typically uh, one is a confidential survey and one is a, a not public but you know visible to management survey um, and a lot of the time the ideas I take and help a practice implement comes straight out of those surveys. So somebody in the business has already said the things that I say and management tend to listen to it more from me. So if you want to save money on consulting fees, there's probably something that your staff has already told you to do and you probably just need to do it. Now, sure, maybe you need some extra helping hand and you can give me a call if that's the case, but there's probably some really good wisdom from the people that actually do the stuff that you do that's in there right now.
0: Yeah, fantastic. Uh, Patrick, thanks so much for coming on this particular episode. We look forward to catching you in the final episode when we talk about uh, you know, the evolution of technology and innovation. Thanks, Fraser. Welcome back, Haley. Hi, Fraser. Thanks for joining us. We're talking uh, about some of the different business strategies that uh, we, we put in place. Uh, now, you mentioned already that the fact how you segment, seg- just want to go into a little bit more depth about, uh, you know, that segmentation process and how you come up with these things.
2: Yeah. So this largely came about by identifying problems, to be honest. So every fortnight, we have a roadblocks and challenges meeting and it's the team's opportunity to flag any client situations that they're finding challenging. And, And we found some common themes and they were relationships with power of attorneys. They were clients that had language barriers, people that didn't have an email address. So we once we identified each of those segments, we then realized, let's get that information into the CRM and highlight that these people are a variable to the standard process. And let's build out what the process should be for those people. Um, what it meant is we spent less time focusing on um, actioning the process for the people that are just the standard and focused on enhancing the process for the people that need a bit more involvement if there's a vulnerable client i do need to take extra steps to engage with them and it's about making sure that that information is in the crm because if it's just in my head if i just know oh look Joe's really hard to get a hold of, but I know at three o'clock every Thursday, his daughter's home and that's when he answers the phone. That doesn't help anyone else within the business if it's just in my head. So we we spent a lot of time making sure the team knew to capture that information and put that in the CRM so that we could segment that way as opposed to over 65, millennial, family, that sort of thing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting all these d- different points that are important to segment, not just their age and, you know, the standard demographics or how much money they've got in super, um, but understanding understanding these little, little things that uh, that make a difference. Tell me, talk to me about the roadblocks and challenges meetings. You mentioned they were fortnightly. Um, tell us a bit about more about that meeting.
2: Yeah, so that's been really effective in helping us have incremental innovation. So um, I I pride myself in working really hard within the business to help us keep growing, um, but not too fast. And I think by taking a second to look at what are the roadblocks we're facing, what are the challenges we're facing? And that can sometimes be with product providers. Um, Because we work virtually, I don't know who is hitting their head against the wall over a small problem they're having with a product provider or a client. So this, this meeting really allows us to come together, we all have different uh, backgrounds when it comes to approaching that particular roadblock or challenge. And we then could use that to work out how to solve that problem.
0: Yeah, no, that's interesting, solving problems. And I'll get back to the incremental change thing in a second. But solving problems is often, uh, sometimes you look at the problem you go, well, this is actually, it's a problem because it's causing our client a problem, but it's not our problem to solve how do you how are you working with those product providers to say hey this is a problem can you fix this up
2: oh the the this is the good thing about having a good CRM so one problem we were having is our team was spending 50 minutes on hold to product providers Um, understanding COVID has made challenging situations for everybody but our CRM allowed us to pull out which providers were the most notorious we went to the BDM and said this is not good. We cannot service our clients with it being like this, and obviously they can't go and just you know hire ten more employees. But that feedback goes back to them and goes back up the chain, and it definitely does that because I've got the information to prove that that's the case. They know that people have to be on hold, but if I can say five of my staff were on hold for three hours in total over this week, that has weight. Uh, so that's that's made a difference. But you're right; there we've definitely had. We've got a long list of roadblocks and challenges, and you have to filter through the things that are just people frustrated about something versus something that we can have change over. And by having that meeting, it does allow us to filter through that process.
0: Yeah, that's really interesting. So you're able to uh, you know, quantify and qualify the cost of the providers providing a poor service.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially with follow-ups. Um, you know, I mentioned before, beneficiary nomination forms, it feels like it's gotten worse. And the consent process hasn't made it any easier. And that was a real opportunity for product providers and advisors to come together and go, what is best for the consumer? What is best for these people? How do we uphold the profession here? And that, I don't know that that conversation happened. And, you know, this roadblocks and challenges meeting that we have that just gives us more ammunition is the wrong word because I'm not against product providers I want to work with them but it's it's becoming increasingly frustrating that they're innovating things that aren't really helping like it's great they've got digital signatures but the signature is an old format of identification so like why why aren't they looking at two-factor authentication on forms why aren't they looking at you know, the, the selfie identification, there's just so many other things they could be innovating and they're just not focused on that area. They're focused on, but oh, we have an app, but what does it do? But you can look at your balance, but what does it do? <laughs> yeah, so, so, you know, that's, that, that meeting allows us to draw those things out and, and debate, is this an issue or just a frustration?
0: Yeah, it's certainly. And I guess when you think of it from a business, from a small business point of view, the strategy sort of has to be by towards using uh, those those providers that are actually going to make your life easier and your client's life easier and more efficient and more effective?
2: Yeah. we. I think the hard thing as well is when you look for problems, you'll find them. And because our business focuses on incremental innovation, um, it can be hard to not get distracted and see the, oh, but this, if we fix this, then it could fix these 10 other things over here versus, but this is a cool idea. Uh, so it's, it does mean there can be an element of overwhelm, but you know the, the benefit for us has been as soon as someone identifies that they're doing the same thing more than five times, it gets added to that meeting and we create the automation and it's done, move on. So it, it does allow us to be very efficient with our time
0: yeah incredible so you're, you're absolutely right because a lot of this is around prioritization because, like you said, if you look for problems, you'll find them. um how do you go about that prioritization process to say this is the let's this is the one this is quite an important thing we need to fix. let's fix this one before the others
2: yeah, largely it's benefit to the client um ultimately, it's got to get back to that. Uh, there are cool things that we'd love to do that would make our lives easier um. But whether that impacts the client, that's that's probably the priority. Um, but we focus on the things that are also achievable. Um, you know, me whinging about forms isn't going to actually do anything until I can put some data together to show someone that can make that change happen. Whereas me putting together a video on how to complete that form, that has instant impact yeah um for the whole team and for the clients so it's it's a it's a group discussion it's a group vote um there's sometimes there's issues that hang around for ages because we keep keep coming up against roadblocks um i mean i've talked about the power of attorney process we've gone to the ends of the earth to find out what our obligations are to approve that that document is legitimate to approve that i'm allowed to speak to this person and there's just so little information out there. It makes me worried. What are other advisors doing? I'm sure they're just going, oh, they said they're the power of attorney. Sounds good. You know, I, even the product providers, uh, I, I asked one of them, I said, can you tell me what you do when you get this document to know it's it's all okay? And their response was, uh, we, we checked that it's certified and then we just put it on file because, we, and we wait to see if anything goes wrong. It goes through the courts. if, some, if, if this has been mishandled, it's through the courts. Like that's not <laughs> that doesn't seem okay. You know I think if, if our if we are becoming a profession where we're to be held to this authority, then that's an area that is is gray right now um, And'm I'm, I'm only inquiring about it because I want to do right by the client. Because there are situations where people take advantage of that. So and you know, this is a stuff where you can have all the tech in the world, but it doesn't solve that problem.
0: Yep. Now now with this incremental change, how is your how do you then prioritize the the systems and the resources and the people and the time towards creating this these pieces of innovation um versus, you know, because we're all busy, you get busy doing your other stuff, do you have set times or, or set people that just work on it?
2: Yeah, so it's largely myself being the ops manager and being a person that just thrives off of systems and processes and enhancing things, you know, making things the best that they can be. Um, But it also helps that I work with Peter, who is just across so much of this stuff. So we work really well together together. It is hard not to focus on that stuff when you've got 14 reviews to do. <laughs> um, so it's it's something that you have to allocate time for and and stick to that because when you find yourself in a rabbit hole of a new tool, it's hard to step out of that and focus on the other work you've got to do. But it's it's at each point asking yourself, if I dig deeper, how, how will this benefit the client? How will it benefit the business? Um, I think one tip I can give people when researching apps or any tech, a failing that I had was I would spend time researching an application, discovering all the cool things about it, diving into how it would help us. And I never documented any of that. And then I'd come across a reason why it wouldn't work for our business or why we wouldn't adopt this technology. And I never documented that either. A year would go by and I'd go, oh, I remember that. I'd started to look into it. Let me look into it again. And I would do the same thing. <laughs> I've just wasted my time when I'd already identified why we wouldn't use that. So if you dive into or do some research into a piece of tech or changing a process, document that, even if it's a audio file, a screen recording, something that you can refer back to that helps you, stops you in your tracks before you dive into that rabbit hole again.
0: Yeah. Amazing. You love a good pros and cons list. And uh, and especially if it's you uh, talking about it for yourself, it's pretty believable. Next time you go back and look at it.
2: Oh, yeah, exactly.
0: Hayley, thanks so much for coming on. We look forward to catching you in the next episode. Thanks. Welcome back to this episode, James. Thank you. Thank you for what being here. What are we up to? I can't even remember. We're, we're in episode four, We're episode four, business strategy, and we're talking, uh, we're talking all things around, obviously, innovation and technology. So to do with sort of business strategy, we're sort of stepping back a bit and looking at working on the business in this particular episode. What are you seeing uh, advisors doing really well with, uh, with stepping back and working on their business?
3: Yeah, well, I, I, <laughs> before I answer that question, I think they've been um, inundated with, with uh, compliance and uh, regulation changed change at the moment assuming they've got through that i think that um finding out where their markets are up to and concentrating on their markets is probably the biggest key if you, if you know what your market is and you everything that you do is targeting to that um i was talking with one advice firm uh in melbourne not that old um they do mid to large high net worth clients, they need a client that I think they, they said two million plus of FUM and uh, they are have got more work than they know what to do with. So but they've got roadblocks so now that they're trying they're trying to now slow down a bit to be able to move forward and they're looking at what tech how can they make their tech more agile so that they can actually um, get the advice to these clients because the expectation with, the, with a client like that is that the advice is going to be um, of high quality. And they were – and I asked them at one stage what they were – how long it was taking them to get an SOA out and uh, in some sort six weeks. Wow. Yes. And they're looking to change that. They desperately want to change that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now, you mentioned the concept of stepping back and just slowing down and then working on the strategy. You know, obviously, we, there's been a, a fair run on the last sort of, let, let's say, most of 2021. There's been a, bit, you know, running from this running, it was running to the uh, financial year, then it was running to the October changes. Uh, we, there's been a lot of running. At what point do you do do you step back and then look at your strategy from a business planning point of view?
3: Yeah, what does a step back mean? Yep. Um, you're right, and I think you've you said it quite nicely. Is we've all been running. Doesn't matter what's been happening. It feels like um the last 18 months or so we we could have had the opportunity to to actually step back but there hasn't been the opportunity because of all the things that have been happening and the expectations of what clients needs are you know businesses looking at falling over what do i do now Uh, can i can i change my plans can i change my goals can i retire earlier on the or can i retire later and that's been a theme that i've seen come through as well so i think agility with advice firms has been when do they take time to step back it's just how do you tell it how do you tell a advice firm to, to step back and let's before before they move forward
0: yeah now a lot of firms are, um, are specializing these days they're either specializing a particular say product set or they're specializing in a particular you know demographic of client how do you see how do you see that being uh, you know are, are we most of the way there are firms mostly on that journey or or have some still got a way to go
3: I think some still have it on the way to go. I think that there are definitely, definitely, advice firms that are specialising in specific markets. So we we'll give rattle off a few that are doing that. Those that are not actually specialising in specific markets are actually having advisors inside their firms that are the specialist, you know, the risk specialist, the retirement specialist, the aged care specialist, um, business succession specialist. So that they're actually, one a bird word, funneling their, their 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 new clients to those particular advisors that um, have the skill set to be able to manage that particular type of client. Definitely. And I think the generalist, the genesis is just going to get it. other than the relationships they already have from a growth standpoint, I can't see a generalist growing their business to large levels if they haven't got a, uh, um, a singleness of purpose.
0: Mm, yeah, exactly right. So if they're, uh, they're specializing and, you know, uh, I don't know, doctors who run their own practice and do this, this, and this, and do these other things. And then they can just help those particular people with, you know, generally what they look, all of their needs. But yes. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Talk to us about the prioritization process, because a lot of the time, um, you know, that when it comes to business strategies, it's nice to be able to do everything, uh, but you can't do everything. Uh, How how, how have you seen firms turn around and go, great, we've got 48 things we need to do. How do we prioritize?
3: Well, the sales part of me says, produce the advice and get the advice out (laughs) the compliance part of me says um make sure you get all your get get all your um systems and processes in check so and there's that there's that juggling act, fraser isn't there where uh you 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 need to do the advice process in a systematic way to be able to make sure that all the all all of it's done properly but you've also got to get, get the advice dare i say out the door in inverted commas um because nothing really happens until the advice gets out the door uh so there's a there's that that absolutely there's this constant juggling act about what do we do so the quicker advice firms can get their assistance and processes in place um the way to monitor and and supervise all those different aspects of advice then knowing that's in place then they can start to work on getting that advice out quicker But i think you're just going to get the advice out quicker without looking at how the advice has been created using systems like the x plans etc of the world then um th- then they're just going to be creating problems for the future
0: yep. now when you're seeing uh when you're seeing um technology in a business um are you looking at uh, sort of start from scratch type stuff or are you just looking at you know small incremental change when it comes to businesses
3: it depends on the firm i think some we can make small incremental changes but invariably it 's more it's it 's bigger when you 're doing a discovery type where 's your tech stack up to how you 're managing it 's like oh yeah our tech stack 's not too bad we 've got a bit of this and got a bit of that. so how are they talking to each other oh they aren 't Are you happy with that? well, for the time being we are but so it 's kind of like as you drill down, you find out that that the tech they 've got is more of a put up with than utopian what we need so but as I said, is you, if, because you've got to keep moving forward, you can't make those large changes quickly, you know, changing from a hosted X-Plan site to an own, own X-Plan site. That doesn't take days. That takes weeks and in some instances or in many instances takes months. So you can't, as much as you'd love to say, let's switch from one to the other, you just can't.
0: Yeah, there are, what should be a small incremental change, you're saying, is actually a large piece of work.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. And needs to be planned. how how do we do it what do we pull off first you know do we do we run them both in parallel do we you know extract that data from this process and put it into that um, application or whatever it might be
0: yep fantastic james obviously a lot to cover in the business strategy side of it thanks so much for coming on to this particular episode we look forward to catching you in the next one pleasure welcome back cara
4: hi thanks for having me
0: Fantastic to have you back. We are talking about technology and the the, the business strategy around implementing uh, or bringing in or or, or changing technology. Uh, tell us about your business. It's a bit a uh, bit more established. It's not exactly a you know a brand new or you haven't started from scratch again.
4: Yeah, so I, I guess TWD is about twelve years old now. However, Troy, who is a founding partner, uh, you know, I mean, some of his clients he's had for almost twenty years. So when it Comes to to change and trying to improve on inefficiencies. We really like the idea of a big sweeping change and starting from scratch, but I guess we've kind of accepted that it's just not practical for our business. There's there's sort of too much history and too much legacy um, from there. So I think it, it's more about making some incremental changes, getting some small wins along the way, and just trying to you know improve the efficiency side things as we can. Um, you know, I I think there's there's some cool technology where, you know, from like say Salesforce, for example, we came across a little while ago and we, we almost got really swept up, um, you know, with some of the changes from there. But, you know, I think technology can certainly improve things, but advice is a hard game, you know, and there, there is so many different nuances. I just, I don't see from the complexity that our business is sort of sitting in that we can just, um, use technology to get rid of all our problems um, you know we we sort of, sort of certainly can use technology to improve things um, but there's always going to be some complexities there's always going to be some manual manual stuff just because every client situation is different and when you're dealing with with things that you know go back 10 or 15 or 20 years um, you know you need to kind of honor that uh, the bespoke nature of the type of advice that we give to our clients as well
0: yeah, that's interesting. You mentioned uh, that change being hard, and change—you know—the advice is hard. The the change is hard for the advisors and the team, but it's also—and um, and what I'm getting at from your comments there—is it's it's reasonably hard for some clients as well to, uh, if you're doing if if you're if you're biting off a bit more than they can chew.
4: Oh, definitely. I, I guess you know we've had a lot of um, let's call them change projects over the years where we've changed providers or changed technology, and you know it's almost like a, a a step-by-step phase, you know, speaking to clients about it, getting them comfortable, getting them on board, transitioning across, dealing with the queries, um, you know, and, and, and sometimes you learn a lot about the client, what they're willing to, you know, to, to tolerate and, and what they're going to blow up about, um, you know, and being able to kind of manage those expectations is, is really important when you're dealing with change, um, you know, and just managing the, the team as, as well. I think, um, you know, a, advice, isn't just, you know, going down one path. That's why it's advice. We're assessing each person as an individual and working out what, what is the best way forward for them. And, you know, you might have two clients there that look very similar and you might end up giving them different advice for very nuanced and um, and particular reasons. And, and and I think that's why it's just so hard to, to rely on technology completely or, or sort of assume that technology is going to solve all of your problems because it's just not, Not that simple. You know, it, I think every time, um, you know, every time you design a process and you, you go, yep, you know, tick, tick, tick. This is going to happen exactly like that. And then the first client that comes along and you try to work through that process, you go, Oh, well, what about this situation? What about that? And there's just so many little things like that. I think when it comes to, to, um, to working with people. That, um, that, you know, you just need to be adaptable and just have a really robust process where you can use technology as much as possible, but, but also just, you know, be able to use some common sense at times as well. And, you know, with failure and, and, you know, all of the things that are coming in at the end of the day, um, you know, we're the ones that are responsible for making sure that our clients are better off, um, you know, when they walk out than when they came in. And, you know, uh, we can't just, you know, rely or blame technology if it doesn't, if it doesn't go exactly as we want, you know, we really need to, to control that
0: yeah that's an interesting point, taking control. Uh, tech uh, tech expectations can definitely uh, get out there once you've seen um, once you've seen the shiny demo, uh, how things work, but I think you're you're right. it comes back down to you know what problems have you got and understanding that there's there's going to be a whole lot of what-ifs that you didn't quite know about um through the process. Speaking of process, do you have a process for implementing sort of new technology in your business?
4: Uh, I mean, I guess a- process would depend on the technology as such. But, but I guess we've generally gone um, for, I, you know, I'd almost maybe phrase it as a slow rollout, you know, doing some testing with a few members of the group, getting comfortable, working through some issues, you know, building a bit of a, um, you know, building a bit of a Q&A or a bit of a, um, you know, a bit of a worksheet of what hurdles we might come across. And then rolling it out to, to more of the team from there, you know. And I think in that sense, I'd certainly put our hands up and say, we're not perfect. You know, I think that, you know, some, um, you know, some things that we've rolled out within the business have gone quite easily. And then, you know, you're just always going to get those people in your team that, that don't like technology or don't like change or don't want to adapt. And, you know, we've got a team of 30 people and, you know, there's there's just, Sometimes I've been surprised by the people that resist and the people that embrace it. Um, but, you know, again, I guess sometimes you just need to, um, you just need to work with the, with the team. You just need to be patient and, and ultimately be available as well. You know, I, I, what really frustrates me sometimes is when people go, okay, this is what we're doing and it's happening regardless of whatever people's queries or comments on. You know, we need to kind of really take people on the journey and make them feel comfortable and, Give them the tools that they need, the training that they need, the guides that they need, you know, the time that they need to to adapt <laughs> to the change. Most importantly, as well, uh, you know, all of this stuff. Sometimes it's taking a big step back to take a couple of steps forward. So we've got to we've got to give our team the ability to to do
1: that.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ben. It's uh, it, you're, I had this visualization of you know dipping your toe in the water, nice and slowly, test test and measure, then roll it out slowly, rather than just getting ready to dive straight into the deep end.
4: <laughs> sounds sounds good in practice. And then sometimes when you when you uh start rolling it out, you you know, you come across some other issues as well and you need to go, Oh, okay, hadn't thought of this or hadn't hadn't come across this. Let's um let's make sure we, we um factor that in and adapt and, and again retrain and refocus.
0: Yep. Now you've just been through a process of uh changing some of the software in your business from um uh to, to think to Netwell from um um from another platform. Mm-hmm. How did you make the decision to change?
4: It's been a really long road <laughs> to get to this decision. Like I would literally say we've been toying over this for years. Um you know, we we went through a bit of a uh, I guess a sort of technology platform change maybe 3 years ago and I guess we just realized we weren't we weren't getting the outcomes as a business that we wanted and so we've been almost resisting the net wealth changed since then. And then finally, um, you know, uh, at the beginning of this year, accepting that that ultimately we need to, you know, from a process point of view, from a compliance point of view, it, you know, we need to become more efficient. Um, we need to outsource some of the portfolio work that we were doing. Um, and that, you know, a solution like net wealth is, is really the answer. You know, they uh, are doing this, they're doing it well. You know, obviously it's a cost. And I think that's a factor and, and that's been something that we've had to, to really review client by client as well, you know, the cost of moving across. Um, and for certain clients where, um, say net wealth had been more expensive than what we were using previously, we've adjusted our fees, um, to make sure that it's, a, you know, in the client's best interest and that we can, you know, both give the client a good experience, um, you know, make it cost effective and then also make it, make it effective for our business. Uh, um, too so you know it's it's been a really big process it's taken us a long time to just make it, the decision around it and and we're about halfway through that transition at the moment so we're right in the thick of it we talk about net wealth multiple times a day every single day Um, you know we sort of regularly have hurdles <laughs> that we come across that we're just dealing dealing with and just you know looking forward to being on the other side once we've kind of worked through this change, worked through all the um, the transition with the client. And then, you know, then we can really get the the efficiencies that we've been sort of battling with for, for as long as I can remember.
0: Thank you so much, Cara. We will catch you very soon in the next episode. See ya. Welcome back, Matt Heiner. Thanks, Fraser. We're talking about business strategy in this particular episode. Uh, obviously, you, it's something that you'd know a lot about
5: running a, uh, running a large company. Uh, indeed. Look, business strategy uh, is clearly something that we're uh, pretty passionate about. Um, and one of those things, and it's an old adage, if you, uh, if you don't plan, you plan to fail. Yeah, fantastic. Now, let's talk about uh, advisors and their strategy. Uh, there's obviously
0: a lot of different things we can talk about when it comes to this. Uh, obviously, probably the first one is making sure that they actually, like, as you just said, have a plan.
5: Uh, Absolutely. Um, I don't know the recent statistics, but I remember when we used to do work with uh, some of the consultants, um, it was generally about 50% or less uh, that had done a business plan within their business. Um, Now, that makes it really hard to to grow a business or to to implement many of the things that we're talking about, particularly when it comes to tech. Um, And without sort of digressing and talking about tech again, um, I I happen to know that off the back of our advice tech research uh, that we've done recently that Those firms that are doing really well with their tech adoption and getting the results from their tech, um, a very high percentage of the Advice Tech stars have a roadmap, they have a plan. Um, Some of the better ones are actually looking at 24 months and have a dedicated person to actually implement that plan um, and they're seeing some fantastic results. So now business strategy is much broader, um, but it was an interesting uh, observation. Yeah, no, exactly right, and we are, we are focusing, we do want to focus a little bit more on the
0: technology and innovation space. I like the idea of um, the, the roadmap conversation, though. It sort of makes it a little bit uh, more exciting than just a plan.
5: Yeah, well, you need to be deliberate about your technology roadmap. Um, It's very easy to spend a lot of money and to get very limited returns. Uh, And I think that's where we, when we speak to advisors, uh, they get disappointed and they they sort of lose focus on it. Um, They're not seeing the benefit. They're not understanding why they need to keep spending what we think was around $10,000 per employee uh, on the various bits of technology that don't integrate within their business. So um, you do need to have a plan. Uh, Doesn't mean that the plan can't change. Um, A plan should not be something that you sit around a board table and agree at the start of every financial year and then file away in the bottom drawer. A business plan needs to be organic. It needs to be regularly updated and it needs to be something that you keep referring back to uh, because I think there's one thing you can guarantee about a good plan and that's that it should and will change before the end of the year. Yeah, it's almost uh, almost
0: like it should be. And $10,000 per employee is an interesting number um, and and we'll probably explore a little bit more where that came Mm. from. But um, uh, this is really around a continual process of – you know, having having something some structure in place to be able to 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 think about your technology and to to understand where it's going and what and what problems it's solving.
5: Yeah. So I think there's a, a real challenge between trying to look at or understand the, the the latest, shiniest bit of new tech and having an appreciation for what that tech might actually do for your business, either from an efficiency back office perspective or from a client engagement perspective. So being really clear on what the intent is. Or what the problem is before going and trying to find the solution to it, uh, because as we've touched on before, uh, you will end up disappointed, or you'll find that you're paying a lot of money for technology that's not being used or delivering on on what you thought it should. Yeah, exactly right. Now, t- tell us
0: about uh, that process of of looking at um, what the problem is and the look, you know going out and finding a solution. What are you seeing within the you know some of the advice tech report of some of those um, uh, you know those businesses that are doing really well stars.
5: The stars. Um, Well, as I mentioned that they're obviously putting a plan in place. Um, We've touched on in one of the earlier episodes, the fact that data is really important. So we're seeing uh, a lot of advisors. In fact, the expectation over the next two years that 90% of these advice tech stars uh, will be implementing a integration technology to manage their data better. Um, but that then leverages uh, into all of the rest of their business strategy. So we're seeing um, once they've got that data and they're able to do a deep dive into their practice analytics uh, or into their client base, uh, they're starting to think about pricing discussions. Uh, they're starting to think about how they can automate a lot of the back office services. Uh, but ultimately, it's about how do we deliver or how do we reduce the cost of service our clients so that we can obviously either increase our margins or reduce the cost to the client? And how can we potentially look after more clients? Uh, and they're two really big questions that the industry is really grappling at the moment. Um, and to suggest that you know, technology is the answer for everything is just misguided. Um, it is a whole of business transformation in many cases, um, and that takes time and effort um, and commitment from the business. Uh, when we think about um, at Wealth, our own business planning, um, typically it's about a five, in some cases, six month process um and you really do need to thrash thrash the ideas out um and you know for what it's worth the way that we we manage our business planning and strategy planning uh we get together as an executive team uh we all come to the table we identify uh, and look at some of the trends that are happening in the market both locally and overseas uh we then come back with a, a list of things that we think could be interesting to um to consider It's a big, long shopping list, and there's eight executives on the team, so it's sort of 80 shopping lists, if you like, Uh, and a lot of that will be around efficiency, a lot of it's around new product, a lot of it's around consumer changes, Um, and then we start to whittle it down, and we we try and make sure that um, we can resource not only what we call lights on, so what are the things that we have to do to stay in business, uh, which is sort of your uh, regulatory and and legislative um, work. Uh, what's business as usual? So just to keep the business ticking over and sort of tactical changes to, to product and service. And then what are our big strategic initiatives? So the things that are really going to drive us forward or differentiate us uh, in the market. Uh, so working through all of that and then making sure you've got the resources and the budget to match it uh, is a challenging process. It means that as you get down to the pointy end, you do have to be quite fierce around what stays and what goes. Um, and there'll be different ways that you can sort of prioritise within your business what sort of makes, makes the cut. Um, within uh, our business, we look at things like, you know, well, is this change or this uh, strategic initiative going to uh, uh, benefit one client or one client segment or all of our client segments? Uh, is it going to differentiate the product in the market? Is it going to drive efficiency? Uh, is it going to drive new revenues? Uh, and you can quickly see which items tick, against, tick off against a number of those different item, items. So coming up with a bit of a scoring methodology as you work through that business planning, we think is um, really important. Uh, Once you've actually agreed on what it is you're going to work on for the year and you've worked out that you can actually afford it and that there's budget to either uh, resource up uh, or into invest into new technology, um, implementation really is then what it's all about. So how do you start to to make these changes? Um, And the best advice that I can give is um, break it up into really small parts. And just start ticking off things um, and seeing incremental change, because if you try and focus on really big sort of multi-year projects, um, it's very hard to get focused and to deliver on the important milestones. Yeah,
0: that's that's a really great way of looking at it. Um, and and you know, uh, as you say that, I'm trying I'm trying to try this on from a small business point of view. You know, obviously the lights on and BAU is. I kind of feel like there's been a lot of that over the last sort of twelve months or so. Um, everybody's just trying to keep the lights on and, and business as usual with all the changes going on. But um, you know those those you know those strategy initiatives that section uh, to me that's the exciting part as well. That's where you see real innovation going on, um, and you know I think uh, and, and as you said you know that market leading type environment um, and it really does come back down to the appetite I guess of the individual business estate. is that you know where we want to be. Do we want to just be in the in the lights on and BAU or do we want to actually you know improve in the market and and, and start implementing these some some real initiatives?
1: Mm,
5: uh, and I think the challenge. In this day and age, and we've talked about this a lot. Is the world is moving really quickly, uh, so we're seeing changes in the industry, uh, which has gone through um, a huge upheaval over the last three years, particularly post Royal Commission. We're seeing changes in consumer behaviour. We're seeing changes in technology. Um, advice firms, or any business for that matter, can't afford to stand still. In our our view, um, you need to be now. It doesn't need to be huge changes every year, but you need to be thinking about what the next two to five years looks like to make sure that you can set yourself up for success because businesses that don't change or aren't thinking about these things uh, risk being not relevant and not existing in the future. Yeah. Now you mentioned that um, prioritisation
0: process of, you know, knocking your shopping list down from uh, and and uh, and being prepared to say not yet for some things. How do you, um, I mean, apart from the, you know, lights on BAU and uh, type of things, how do you prioritise what, uh, what you are going to work on and what you're not?
5: Yeah, it's probably the the hardest part of any business. Um, And you mentioned before, how do you boil it down to a small business? Um, It doesn't matter if you're a small business, medium-sized business, big business. Everyone has the same challenge, which is there's too many things we want to do, not enough time and not enough money. Um, So that prioritization process is critical because you want to basically make sure that at any given time, you're working on the most valuable thing. Um, Now, the most valuable thing will change depending on if you're the advisor, the back office staff, the power planner, so it's about making sure that as a business, you can all agree on what is the most important thing or things that we can be working on at any given time. Um, so we, we have a different couple of different ways that we sort of manage this, um, but we really um, do sit around a big table once every fortnight and we debate it. Uh, and everyone sort of throws in their two cents worth on on why they think something should be more important than something else. Um, and I think it's a really uh, good process and it means that you can bring the team together and, and you can get everyone aligned. Um, we look at things from a size perspective so you know, is this going to be a six-month job a 12-month job or is it something quick and easy that's going to have a big impact um, and because it's very difficult to, uh, to know exactly you know how many months or weeks or um, years something's going to take uh, we use a, an agile terminology so we talk about t-shirt sizes uh, so everyone can sort of picture you know if something's an extra extra large um, they get that it's a big project and that it might not be the right thing to be uh, trying to tackle right now uh, all all the way through to a small Uh, for the more tactical items in the business uh, we start to look at and and we often have this uh, we do this exercise with our clients as well um, is what you're asking for or is what we're proposing is it a must-have a should have or a nice to have now clearly you have to do the must-haves first um, the should-haves are pretty important, but there might be an argument from time to time where the nice-to-haves actually move ahead of the should-haves uh, for a new market segment or you've seen an ident- uh, an, you've op- uh, identified an opportunity that others haven't seen yet. So working through those two uh, sort of processes and then within that uh, assigning things a one, two or three, um, over time you start to narrow the list down and the better ideas and the things that are going to be very valuable rise to the top.
0: Yep. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Um, now, how important, you mentioned the round tables, you know, how important is that to get the, as many different stakeholders or voices at, at the table as you can from, from your, from your customers or your clients to, through to, um, you know, like through to the person who's, you know, processing the, whatever it might be, uh, all the way through to, uh, you know, like somebody who's a managing director.
5: Yeah, it's absolutely critical. Uh, As much as I'd love uh, for all of my ideas to get through, uh, the business wouldn't be in nearly as good a shape if that was the case. Um, So I think having different stakeholders, having different voices um, is is fundamental. I love the idea of having the client voice at the table. Um, So sometimes it might be that you actually allocate that role to someone in your business. So there is a person that turns up to each meeting with the client's cap on and they are the client advocate. Or it might be that you actually get a client or a, a client representative uh, into those meetings to understand where what their perspective is or, or where they're coming from. Uh, but really important, you get uh, representation from across the whole business. It helps bring the team along um, and it makes sure that you are working on the right things. Fantastic, Matt. Thank you so much for coming
0: on this episode. We look forward to uh, rounding up the series uh, with a discussion on the evolution of technology and innovation. Uh, we look forward to catching you in the final episode.
5: Thanks, Fraser.